0: This podcast is supported by an educational grant by Bosch Health, made available through the CDA Corporate Supporter Program.
1: I think a lot of dermatologists who are very busy clinicians don't have time to go through the nitty-gritty of each of these scales and in detail they want to know what are the basics, what do I have to know to be able to interpret these uh, randomized controlled trials that are coming out, and what should I know as well to get my patients' medications reimbursed.
0: That's Dr. Patrick Fleming, an assistant professor of dermatology at the University of Toronto and a dermatologist at Lynn Dermatology in Toronto. Welcome back to JCMS Author Interviews Podcasts. I'm Kirk Barber. I'm the editor-in-chief of the journal of Cutaneous Medicine and Surgery. Today I'm interviewing Dr. Patrick Fleming about an article he and his co-authors presented to us in the July-August 2020 issue. The article was entitled common atopic dermatitis rating scales a practical approach and a brief review so without further ado my discussion with dr fleming well patrick thank you very much for joining me once again for another podcast in jcms
1: thank you so much
0: in this uh, podcast um, we look at atopic dermatitis rating scales and when I looked at it the first time, I thought, oh, this is going to be so boring reading through this. And then as I got reading it, I appreciated the value and the value in knowing and understanding these things for my clinical practice. So what prompted you to put this together?
1: In my, in my clinical practice, I also am lucky to be able to participate in uh, clinical trials for new drug development. And I use these scales a lot um, in that in that capacity. And I find that more and more for reimbursement for some of the biologics for atopic dermatitis, and as I expect for the JAK inhibitors when they're released, these will be very important to get drugs covered. And I think a lot of dermatologists who are very busy clinicians don't have time to go through the nitty gritty of each of these scales and in detail, they wanna know what are the basics, what do I have to know to be able to interpret these uh, randomized controlled trials that are coming out, and what should I know As well to get my patients' medications reimbursed. How can I do these, use these in my practice in an efficient manner, and interpret them correctly as well?
0: And when I, you know, you go through each of the scoring systems, and um, you put down that an easy takes an average of sort of six minutes. I think was the the number you used. I mean, uh, I I agree with you. It's a, it's a, it's 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 hard. It's long uh, to do, and Mm -hmm. I expect that it's going to be one of the ones that are payers are going to be asking for. They certainly are now. Yeah. Um, I wish we could convince them to use something simpler.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's unfortunate because I think these are designed to be research scales in research studies and not to be used in practice by dermatologists or by pediatricians or family doctors who are involved in assessing patients with atopic dermatitis. Um, so I, I agree completely. I think uh, a simpler global scale would hold a lot more value for for patients, for individuals, and for payers as well.
0: I think there's gonna be a lot of, I I wouldn't use the easy scores that are sent to payers in any way to judge someone's disease state or their response rate, because people are gonna make it up.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think these scales are just too complex to use. If you have a 15 minute appointment booked, I don't think you're gonna spend six or seven or eight minutes doing an easy score on top of counseling about the drug and the condition and the treatment. is so, not a valuable use of the time of your of, of dermatologist.
0: So what about clear and almost clear? Do you think that'll ever survive?
1: Uh, I think it might survive. I, I, I think the IGA scores, the investigative global system do have a lot of value in that it's more of a You know, quick and dirty, are you severe, are you moderate, are you mild, clear almost clear? I really hope they do survive because they're ones that we've been trained to do since medical school and throughout residency and throughout our practice, and they make sense as well. And they make sense both to the family doctor reading your consult note, uh, hopefully to the payers as well, and if the patients want to review their own records too. No one knows what an easy means. Even a lot of dermatologists and a lot of academics don't know what an easy score means.
0: It's gotten a little bit easier, but when they they put them into quartiles or whatever, so they, mm-hmm. but they, it's getting back to just converting it to an IGA. Right. So yes, that's exactly. simple numbers that we can understand mm-hmm. the um, so if we had IGA and which of the patient reported outcomes seems to you to be the most valid for disease? I,
1: I would say outside of this article, just in my own clinical practice, uh, asking, do you sleep throughout most of the night? And if patients sleep yeah. most of the night, they're pretty happy afterwards because they can go to work. They can make breakfast. They can like, look after their kids.
0: Absolutely. I would agree 100 percent. Sleep is my critical question. Mm-hmm. How do you sleep? And for kids, I always ask them what they do for fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because
0: yeah. that sorts for me a lot of things. And, and then you can set goals based on, well, you'd like to go swimming. Mm hmm. And then you've got a patient set goal, which yeah. helps them motivate for the, for, the uh, for, yeah. for all the work that we make these kids go through.
1: And, you know, there is a precedent for this as well. And that for depression, uh, one of the best screening tools is asking, are you depressed? And that's been validated. It's quite sensitive, quite specific for depression. And there's another similar tool that was done by the U.S. Uh, Prin- 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 Printing Task Force in the U.S., that said, you know, over the last two weeks, have you been, you know, down, depressed, or had a low mood or something to that effect? And that's been shown to be very sensitive as a screening tool and as an assessment tool. So I think hopefully going forward, we'll kind of focus less on these complex scores that are difficult to interpret, difficult to administer, and difficult to understand to using kind of more common sense, quick, easy, but also reliable measures.
0: Right. So out of the... So we have an easy um, that's north american maybe score as a little more european um in the trial the, uh, but now i find in a lot of the forms i'm being asked to do multiple scoring systems mm-hmm. and yes. i guess that's in case which insurance company or wh- whichever one the patient's insurance company wants to have so that the so that the patient support program can have them all on file yes
1: yeah. and typically whichever one you don't do is the one they want to have on file <laughs> yes
0: yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I would, um, so, so what, are the, what are the pitfalls? Say, for example, I've got to do an easy score. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have no choice now. What are the pitfalls? Is, are there any tricks or clues that you've found useful?
1: I, I find, honestly, it's just doing a high volume of them. So I think if you have, I think if you're not used to doing an easy score and you want to know how to do it, perhaps booking your atopic derm patients at the end of the day, So you have a few more minutes to actually do the easy score, do it properly, think through it. And once you can think through it, maybe a half a dozen or a dozen times and write it out, it becomes a lot simpler and faster. And then maybe instead of taking 10 minutes to do, maybe it's five minutes or maybe it's less than that.
0: A bit like when we started with PASIs, Mm -hmm. because this is derived from a PASI score. PASI scores, I remember going to sessions to learn how to do PASIs. And it looked like it was gonna take forever. But now it's much, 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 much shorter, right?
1: And I think now that we know the PASU so well, you can almost look at a patient and guess their PASU score when you see them. And then if you work it out, you're usually pretty close. Right, so,
0: so the idea is the easy score is probably going to be the North American standard, the thing we have to worry mm-hmm. so much about and to, to just to practice a bunch of times over mm-hmm. and over and over again. And, and, and thank you for um, the supplemental material that you put yeah. in, uh, online because it does have the easy score and, it, and literally it's a matter of just putting the, putting the numbers in the box just like PASI, right? Exactly. The, the score and, yep. PASI score.
1: and a lot of this work was done by uh, Yubo Yang, who was a, a medical student at uh, UBC who was uh, very hardworking and, and uh, did a lot of the heavy lifting for this article. So it's a big thanks to him.
0: Well, thank you to him as well from me because it, it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, but as you say, it's a reference article in many respects after you get through the first reading and you start to understand yeah. why, the, why the differences are. Because yeah. I've in the clinical assessment between EASY and SCORAD, I would look, well, I, can't, I, I, I always have trouble remembering what the clinical differences are until I do O and D, oozing yeah. and dryness. Yes. You know, and now, oh, I got it. Now it's at that those are the letters in score. Mm-hmm. It. So yes. that was my little trick to remind me of what to do. Yeah, that, I use
1: the exact same tool as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's good. All right, well, sleep is critical. Activities uh, are critical to, you know, two common simple questions to ask. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we probably still have to do an easy. And, yeah. um, but remembering how to do the IGA, I think will probably be the thing that we'd like. We, we should start writing them in.
1: Yeah, I've actually been doing that uh, in my own practice for the last uh, year and a half or so um, in anticipation of uh, tighter regulations from the payer. So I can look back and say, well, this uh, patient's had an IgA of four for the last you know, year and a half despite doing X, Y, and Z. And, and it's been very helpful to do that.
0: So important to do it once at the beginning for sure, yeah. an easy mm-hmm. score, because you can always go back to it, just yes. like we do in the PASI world. Mm-hmm. So anything else you'd like our listeners to understand about these uh, scoring systems? Uh,
1: I I think uh, the most important thing is to pick one, learn it very well and do it in high volume when you have lots of time to uh, take your time working through it and to uh, try to get as much practice as possible. Have you found a
0: a YouTube or some sort of visual source in teaching I mean, it must be on the on certainly I, for the research studies we get that yeah. sort of training
1: i i have not i've only ever seen that within the research studies that i've done and the videos in those uh courses are, are varying quality in some cases right
0: so um a great read don't go hunting for it on youtube thanks thank you so much cheers okay bye-bye I hope you enjoyed my interview with Dr. Fleming. Dr. Patrick Fleming is an assistant professor of dermatology at the University of Toronto and a dermatologist at Lynn Dermatology in Toronto. He has a varied career because he's also working at the COVID Centre at Women's College Hospital. As a reminder, the article is available free of charge on the JCMS website for the next three weeks. So that's it for this episode of JCMS Author Interviews Podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes and share this with our colleagues and on your social media channels. I'm Kirk Barber. Until next time, be good to each other.